out loud and you guys do not have to unmute your stuff and so we we won't do a call and response but this psalm of ascent psalm of ascent as a reminder runs from psalm 120 to when psalm 134 and so we have been at grace and mercy we've been um using this to go from when we started the new year all the way into easter and some translations of the Bible call these, these uh, psalms, they call them the pilgrim psalms or the songs of a pilgrim. And they're, just a, they're simply a collection of prayers that would have been sung as the Israelite people that were traveling towards the temple of God. Or they were at the temple of God and they were traveling towards the holy of holies of God. And they, they would have uh, prayed these um, on their journeys. They would have also prayed them on the steps of the temple, which was their, their place of worship. And they would have done it, these, these as they would have prayed the, the entirety of them, it would have been moving them closer and closer and closer to God. And so that's what these the whole heart of these songs of ascent are to be, is that it would just move us closer and closer to the heart of God. And so these prayers as well, it's not just about moving. It, it also, they have a, a very strong sense of past, present, and future blessing in their meaning. And we'll get into that a little bit today. And as we've been praying those and, and praying these prayers and learning about them, um, we are not going to the temple today. We're not even going to church, right? But rather than that, we are going to Easter where we celebrate uh, as Christians, the biggest celebration where Jesus rose from the dead. This is our big celebration that we get to do where, G where we know and we celebrate the fact that Jesus has defeated Satan, that he's He's defeated the sin in our life that likes to come in and choke us out sometimes. And he's also defeated death by rising again on the third day. And we, um, we get to celebrate that. And we're told that we don't need to worship in one place or another, but we worship in spirit and in truth. And I'd say that we need uh, to see these as the original pilgrims see them, that um, they, where they, they look to their past, they look at their present, and then their hope is built in the future tense. And we get to look to the past and see what God has done in our lives, where he has worked, and then, and then that'll give us um, strength and faith to know that he's working now, and then build our hope for our future as well. And also that we get to, as, as these are songs of a pilgrim, we also understand that we're pilgrims. We're not home yet. Our home is with Christ and we're not with him right now. And so we get to do that. And so let me, let me pray this over us. It's a little bit longer, but let me pray this over us. And then uh, we'll get into it in more detail. Psalm 132, a psalm of ascent. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephratah. We found it in the fields of Jar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footsteps, his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place. 
you and the ark of your might. Let your priest be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy, for the sake of your servant David. Do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my commandments and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on the throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. It I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priest I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. In Jesus' name, amen. This prayer is a prayer of remembering. It starts off with the word remember. You can just keep it there. It starts off with the word remember. And remembering is a, a, a historic event. Like it, It's remembering our history. In fact, if we were to spend time and go over every element that is in the history and unpack all the history of this prayer, we'd be here all day. And I'm sure as much as I miss you guys, we don't want to spend it all day on the screen. Um, maybe, maybe some of you do, but I don't know if I do. But just take, for example, the Ark of the Covenant that is in here. Uh, behold, we heard of it in Ephratah. We found it in the fields of Jaar. This is referring to the Ark of the Covenant that was uh, in the the Israelites would have had. And we could um, look at that and all its history and meaning, like if you don't know anything about the Ark of the Covenant, like you can take a while to figure it out. And if we could just looked at the ta- the temple, like why couldn't David built it? Why why did his sons have to build it? And how come God wouldn't let that, that promise, or, or God promised that his sons would build it and that he wasn't able to? Or we even look into it and, and we can see that all the lands that are mentioned in this psalm, like who lived there before, who founded them, what tribes are they in? There's so much history in these in this prayer that it's hard to unpack to unpack it all, and it, it would take some time. Um, but in order to, and I think in order to fully understand this prayer in particular, the entirety of it, you would have to start at Genesis. And you would start reading, and you would go through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and you would work your way, and then you would work your way all to Revelation. You would need the Old and New Testament to get a real good grasp on the richness and meaning of this prayer. Not just in the past tense, how it was prayed, but even what it's praying for in the future. And uh, we'd see, if we did that, we'd see just just this beautiful beautiful tapestry in one prayer, but we'd also see the glory of Christ and how it ultimately points to him and that we get our hope from him and that we get our life from him and that Christ is is all that the fulfillment of this prayer. The first word of this prayer is to remember. And then it's a bunch of list of stuff that those people were remembering. And these um, these memories help us move forward in our life of worship. 
as memories live on, we will see both bad and good things. Like David couldn't build the temple because his hands were too bloody. He killed too many people. I'm sure those aren't all pleasant memories that he had there. But you can look back and you can see not only the good, but you can also see the bad. Things that we never want to return to. Like we can see those things and stay away from them as we look back to our past. And I think of a number of things in my life. Um, One is I used to chew tobacco. And I remember I chewed for like 10 years. And when I think about tobacco... And when I think about my desire for it or my craving for it, I look back and I see the foolishness of my sin. And that helps me not use tobacco going forward. And so those bad memories, they stick with us. But when I remember that, it helps me stay uh, sober from tobacco, if you will. And as we remember, we can avoid these pitfalls. And and, um, now when we remember our stakes, but now uh, we avoid them because we know that they don't bring us joy and they they don't bring us closer to Jesus. But we can also, if we look back in our past, as the Israelites were doing here, if we look back in our past, we can see times when we were obedient to God and we knew we were obedient to Him. And we knew there there are times when we've had in our lives, uh, since we're, we're all Christians, like time when we followed Jesus with passion and meaning and purpose, and times when, when if we're honest, God just seemed very, very close to us. That God was so near that we're like, we'll never abandon you, God. And we can see that even though through though things may have tried to pull us away, like sin or temptations, that we are still walking with God in this obedience has helped preserve us, and obedience could be the theme of this prayer, that um, even though in our obedience and our perseverance, we could look back and see God's grace in and through it all. One of the things I I personally love about remembering, especially in the context of this prayer, is it's, it's not done in isolation. It's done corporately, right? This prayer would have been prayed amongst the peoples, in in the telling of the people. And if we're honest, there are times when we just don't feel like we used to with God. We don't feel as strengthened. We don't feel um, as encouraged. And, And yet we're still walking with Him. But when this is done corporately, when, when somebody is in the act of remembering what God has done for them and they're sharing it with us, it is a beautiful thing. And this is one of the, and it's encouraging to somebody, if, if somebody else's faith, your journey is encouraging to someone else's faith. And um, this is one reason why here at Grace and Mercy, we practice moments of grace where we get to see God at work in the life of each and every one of us, where we share, and um, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, we could you can raise your hand if you've been encouraged while you didn't think that there was any encouragement for you just by hearing from one another. And so recognizing that even as we remember what God has done and what God is doing, we get to do this amidst each other so that we can see God at work. Because remembering... Uh, is a good thing. If we took the time, and I would argue right now that we all have time at home on lockdown, 
If we took the time to remember our rich history of what God has done in our life, if we detailed out what God has done, like this prayer has done, we could see some amazing and awesome things that are in our lives. We could see some markers, or even as we sung like Ebenezer's, we could see some stones that we set up or that God set up along the path uh, as we've been following Jesus that will encourage us to keep following. They will encourage us to trust Him right now and encourage us and give us hope for the future. We can see, even if we see in our past disobedience, we can see where God's grace covered our sin And in our obedience, we can see where God's grace covered us in a different way. And it's a beautiful thing to remember as we walk this Christian life. Um, One of the reasons why I think I wanted to even preach the Psalms in the beginning was uh, because of the book, Eugene Peterson's book, uh, Long Obedience in the Same Direction, which is a book on the Psalms of Ascent. And so even just in the title, Long Obedience in the Same Direction, like we're traveling towards Christ. It's a long road. It's going to take some time. Eugene Peterson said this. He said, the Psalms show us obedience, show obedience as lively, adventurous response to faith that is rooted in historical facts and reach reaches to a promised hope. And I firmly believe that this is true. It gives us courage, looking at the past and remembering, gives us courage to take another step as we are learning to follow Jesus. As we live into the relationship that he has for us, there are some moments along the way where we sit, we get refreshed, where we're waiting, we're, we're contemplating, we're thinking, and we're not just always tired on this trail. And, and then when we're refreshed, when Jesus refreshes us with the memory that he's just given us, it's then that we're renewed to move on in our faith and to walk. It's like the past propels us forward in hope. And it gives our hope the foundation in Christ as we go forward. Um, I would say that this is important because living the Christian life is not always an easy thing. And you guys can say amen to that. It's not easy to always hold on to what is most important, that Christ is crucified. It's not always easy to remember that Jesus calls us holy by by the shedding of his blood for us, that God calls us pure, that that we are like holy, we are set apart for his work. It's not always easy to remember these things. It's not always easy to know what God wants us to do next. We have questions. We're not sure what God wants. And so um, in those times we get anxious or we're trying to figure it out. Um, Our faith is a path that we get to walk and it can be a path that is totally full of surprises, both beautiful surprises and terrifying surprises. And I, I, I'm going to give one more quote from obedience, obedience, uh, long obedience in the same direction. And I believe it's that something that we want in our life. It says, for Christians living demand, for Christians living our, our life of faith demands that we keep our feet on the ground. But it also asks us to make a leap of faith. And this is so true. We need to be still and steady and content 
and yet ready to act at the same time. Ready to be, be happy with what God is doing right now, but also be willing for him to move us into something different. We get to rest in the assurance that Jesus gives us what we need for today and that he'll take care of tomorrow. And, he, and so in that, we can have our hope in our future with him. And the following, following is not always easy. It's not an easy task. And, and I think it's not easy for maybe some of us because we're not in charge of the road that we travel. It's not like a circular loop where you do the same thing over and over again. It's a straight path. And sometimes the scenery changes. And the, Eugene Peterson's um, quote goes on. It says, what we require, what, what is required of us is obedience, the strength to stand and the willingness to leap and the sense to know when to do which. We get to be obedient in seeing God's um, constant and consistent grace that washes over our past in our remembering will encourage us and inspire us towards obedience. Um, if we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then remembering will help us whet our appetite for grace. It's like Mo. I'm gonna point. I'm gonna call her out. She, when she gets on Instagram, she'll oftentimes go on pictures of food and foods that like her mom would have given her in Cambodia or something like that. And every time she does it at night, she does it like when, when we're, go, we're going to bed and every time she does it, I'll look over and I'll go, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm hungry. And I'll know that it's Cambodian food that she is looking at and just going like, okay, she's remembering what this tastes like. And that's what remembering for, for God, do, remembering the good that God's done for us. We've tasted and seen. It whets our appetite for more of God's grace and more of God's kindness because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his love that will that it is, that is his banner over us and his love will lead us through that. And I mean, even in these times right now, we can see that fear is a, is a real motivator. There are people that fear is motivating them. But at the end of the day, it's a very crumbly motivator. It falls apart. Um, fears will never satisfy us. But if we allow the love of Christ to motivate us, to satisfy us, and we do this through remembering, it will never let us down on this path that we are walking. We are no longer traveling towards the temple in Jerusalem. You guys aren't even giving in, getting in your car and going to church this morning. Yeah. So um, Jesus is the place now and forever that we get to worship. Jesus told us that we will not worship in a place, but we will worship in spirit and truth. And then he goes on to tell us that he is who we will worship. Even at the end of time, you can see in Revelation chapter 21, it gives us a picture of the end of time. We will see that Jesus is the new temple where we get to worship for all of eternity. The whole of this prayer, the whole of it points to Jesus. And so I would like to take a minute to look at Jesus a little bit more clearly in this in hope that in looking at him, we can see how he's been with us our whole life and watching over us and calling to us for us to follow him. 
And I'm going to use, I want to use the Ark of the Covenant that's mentioned in this uh, psalm that we have here, Psalm 132. The Ark would have held a number of things for the people of Israel, as they would have been remembering. The Ark, um, there would have been a, a golden pot filled with manna. Now, manna is what God used in the wilderness to feed the Israelites. It showed up like dew every morning. They would go and collect it, and then they would eat it. There was all, if, they would have, if they obeyed God and were obedient to Him, there was always enough, and there was just enough, and then the, it would come again the next morning. And so there was always manna. God provided in this way. And at one point, they collected some manna, and they put it in the Ark of the Covenant to remember what God's provision is like, and remember that God is their sustenance. There also would have been a, the staff of Aaron, or and it would have been a staff that had buds and flowers on it. And this would have been to show and remind the people that, um, that miracles had taken place, that God had done some things in their lives that there is no scientific reason, there's no rationale, that God just did them, that they were absolute miracles, and that not everything that has happened to this people could be explained. It's just, except other than God did it. This is what God did. And then you have the tablets of the Ten Commandments would have been, or the commandments of God would have been written on. They also would have been placed in the Ark of Co the, the Covenant. And so you can see as they, they mention the Ark of the Covenant here, like um, they would have had all this history there and the Ark of the Commandments of God. So they would have seen that God's laws, that God has laws, that they're good, that they're just, that they're meant to uphold the people. And then, so when they would have thought about the Ark of the Covenant, that this is what they found, they heard that it was in Ephrata, and they found it in the fields of Jar, and then they went to the dwelling place because the, the Ark would also have been the dwelling place of God. This is where God lives. And it, they would have been reminded all, of all this, that God was with them because the Ark was with them. For us, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is like manna, where every day his grace is new every morning. He feeds us. He sustains us. He gives us what we need. And this is one reason why we take communion so regularly at Grace and Mercy, is to remember that it is Jesus who provides for us. It's him who sustains us. It's him who fills us up. And he uses all sorts of things to do that sometimes, but it's mainly through his broken body and his shed blood that he is the one who saves us. And, and even as we eat food to live our lives, God, Jesus is our food. And then we can also see that just as they had the, the staff that budded, that Jesus is our, is the miracle maker. Um, no, I mean, you can look through and see the miracles that Jesus did in the New Testament but we can also look and see uh, miracles that God has done in our life or things that, that can't be explained. We can point to Jesus that Jesus did that for us. Jesus did that for us. And it can't be explained except through Jesus. I've shared this story many times, but one of my Ebenezer's, um, one of my things that why I believe in miracles so profoundly and why I know that God can do it is I was in Las Vegas 
And for three months, I saw this man limp around and he had it. And I remember talking to him. He's like, yeah, my leg's short. And, and one night somebody said to him, do you know that God can heal you from that? And the guy said, I believe it. And then they prayed over him and the man's leg grew and he walked normal for the remaining three months that I was in Las Vegas. That is an Ebenezer. I can point back. Jesus did that miracle. And it has allowed me to pray with faith ever since that point. I can't explain it. I don't have proof. I just know that God did a thing. And I watched it happen. And it was amazing to see. And then we also have the laws of God. Which uh, they're meant to teach people the way to follow God. The way to follow Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled all the laws of God. And that's why we follow him, because in following him, we are following God's laws. Jesus is better than the ark, amen? Jesus is better than the ark, and we know that God loves us because he sent Jesus. Like, we don't have an ark or a temple to recognize the presence of God. We have Jesus that is sent. God sent into earth to live for us to die for us, to be buried for us, and to rise so that we might live we might live life in him, we might die to ourselves, that we might bury our past and rise and live this resurrected life with Jesus forevermore. And, and briefly, because this has to do with, um, the this, this psalm has to do with the establishment of the line of David. And you can read that in Kings and First Kings and First Chronicles, and you can read it in a few different places. David wanted to build the temple of, in Jerusalem. He wanted to build it so desperately. And even he went and called a prophet and he said, Prophet, and the prophet said, do what is in your heart. And David said, what is in my heart is to build a temple for God. And the prophet went away and said, do what's in your heart. And then the prophet went away and God sent him a message and says, David's not to build his ark, but tell him this, that his son will build an ark and I am establishing his kingdom forever and ever, that there will always be a, 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 someone from the line of David on his throne. And this was set up and we can see if you read in, in the lineage of Jesus in Matthew and in Luke, you can see that Jesus is direct descendant from David. This promise is fulfilled in Christ. That yes, you will have uh, a son who is standing or someone in your lineage that, is, that will rule forever and ever. And we have Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who will rule and reign forever and ever. There will forever be a king in the line of David. So this is what I pray for grace and mercy this week. I pray that as we have time, that we can look back, that we can remember, that we can remember in order to build our faith, to strengthen our lives so that we can move forward in faith and in hope. And that we can be still and be ready to move at the same time. That we can be content and yet know that God is going to ask us to move and then we can just be content to follow Him wherever He would lead us. And we can, that we can simply use our remembering to help, help us today. Help us today as we gather in our individual homes. That, we can, that this will give us hope for tomorrow. That God is doing a work 
in and through our lives. And so may this act of remembering serve us well. Jesus, we want to remember all that you've done for us, all that you um, did for your people in Israel, but all that you've done for us, Lord, as individuals and then collectively as grace and mercy. But Lord, also that you're just doing in your church, period. Lord, it's an amazing thing that we get to see and just even partially witness some of what you're doing. So Lord, will you use that to strengthen us, our trust in you today? Will you use that to strengthen um, just, Lord, all the questions that we have? Lord, will you just um, answer them with our with trust in you? And, and Father, we also ask that this will bolster us for our hope that we know that you have a good future for us because you've done all this in the past. In Jesus' name, amen.